Good afternoon. This is Alicia Bales with a special program today featuring a conversation with Richard A. Wilson. From 1991 to 1998, Richard Wilson was the director of the California Department of Forestry, the state agency now known as CAL FIRE. Richard lives in Covalo, or rather, on a ranch about an hour east of town, where he's lived and run cattle since the 1960s. Now in his 80s, he's been a staunch conservationist his whole life, and recently he co-founded a group called Why Forests Matter to advocate for the forestry side of CAL FIRE to break off from the firefighting side in order to more effectively do its work safeguarding the health of the state's forest and fisheries. Here in Mendocino County, we're hearing a lot about CAL FIRE's forestry side these days, thanks to a series of controversial logging plans in Jackson Demonstration State Forest. CAL FIRE manages Jackson State with the idea that the forestry there will demonstrate best practices in silviculture, or the science of logging. But local protesters who've taken to the woods every day since cutting began say the logging plans are taking the largest, most fire-resistant trees in order to make the most money for the agency to pay for their operations budget. Richard Wilson has a lot to say about CAL FIRE's forestry practices and what needs to happen to effectively manage our state's forests and protect them from devastating fire and liquidation logging. Last weekend, I visited him at his ranch outside of Round Valley, sitting with him on his shaded porch with the dogs sleeping nearby, and he told me about his lifetime of advocacy for balance between ecology and economy. His story starts way back in 1960, when the state of California announced a plan to dam the Eel River at Dos Rios and flood all of Round Valley to create the biggest reservoir in the state. Fighting to defeat the Dos Rios Dam left Richard Wilson with an understanding of the devastating influence of money in environmental policy decisions that continues to fuel his outspoken advocacy to this day. For what it's worth, I'm going to go back a little bit. In the 1960s, Pat Brown was our governor. And in those days, the only thing people were thinking about was water. And we uh, had built the, uh, the dams at, at Shasta down, in, you know, to capture that drainage down the Sacramento. And uh, so that was after the, the interior dam system was put into place. They began to look other places, and of course, they gazed over here into the North Coast rivers. Uh, the Eel, the Klamath, the Trinity. Pat Brown was, his idea was the California Water Plan. And that was Oroville and Shasta, that's over there. That's the big, uh, that's the biggie up there. And that all came through by the Delta, you see. And that what they did is they built a canal on the west side to carry the water down the west side to the Tehachapi Mountains. And the Tehachapi is where the San Joaquin ends, and you start going uphill over the pass into Los Angeles. But that was the mental state. That was the politics. When you, when you ran... Uh, for office, you ran on that water plan, uh, Democrats and Republicans both, pretty much. I had fought that idea from day one because I grew up in Southern California. And I, I knew enough about the Tehachapi and the shortness of water on that side 
they're getting that, bringing it to L.A., and they were not going to squeeze much more water out of that. So the idea was you got to have more water. Well, where are the where's the water? Well, it's not in 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 uh, mid California or Southern California. It's Northern California, and where in Northern California? It's the North Coast rivers. And so the whole focus with Bill Gianelli, who was the director of water resources at this time, that this is what we had to do. We had to get those rivers from going north. And in those days, we were wasting water. The rivers were going to the coast, into the ocean, and they weren't doing much. Not they don't. The fisheries, the availability to the environment, and even though they help supplement some of the locals, that idea was it's just waste water. And what we do, we need to do is make it real, so it gets the people that have the money. And to do that, in order to make it real. You you had to do it with money. That's the point. Big money because you're making northern coast rivers running north to turn around and run the other way. They either have to be routed into the Sacramento Valley through tunnels in that way or they have to come back through Clear Lake and then in from Clear Lake dump into the Cash Creek, and then they're down the Sac. But you get it into the Sacramento. That's the delta. And the delta is the heart of the California water plan because that's where the Oroville Shasta comes in. They all come together there. What rivers did they have their eyes on? Well, they started, the, the first one was Dos Rios at Copolo because it was the first dam of a series of dams down the eel that brought the water back, and then you moved on up into the Trinity and the Klamath. All the same going the other way, but they were cited to be damned to make the weather go. They're all going to be stopped from going to the ocean and get them headed south. Did they just have no concept of fisheries whatsoever? That was the day. You see, this is the card of the matter. This, this was the struggle between an ecosystem and an economy. And this has been a brutal fight. And I think right now you're just beginning to see the ecological side of this getting standing, that in those days, this was way out there. And nobody, what are you talking about, man? Ecological system, wildlife, water. I mean, no, water, we gotta have water to produce, to make things, you see? And if, if, if you look at where we are today, you will find out that ecology overrules economy because economy, whether it's whether the, how, the God, whether, how the good Lord gave it to us, here it is, here's the earth, and it's got a climate, and, Things are happening here, and we've got land and people, and whether they're in the right place, wrong place, and all that kind of thing. Here it all is. And it has a system that it does regardless of what man decides he's going to do with it. And that's the difference between these two words. Can I just say that our group was called Earth First, and it sounds a lot like what you just said. Well, it's exactly what I just, you you got it right. 
that, that you're right on, and I've been there all my life. But what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> when 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 all the marbles and chips are in the economy basket, and the environment is a bunch of nuts running around talking about birds and fish and air and water and, and they look at you and they look, get straight. The economy is the crux of our future. That's growth. Well, and it feels like uh, we're at varying degrees of living in the legacy of that mindset, right? So there have been changes, but we're still a lot of that mindset is still really strong within forestry. Well, we're, I'm going to come to that. I, I was kind of coming down first with you on water because it, it, this is forestry too, but what I'm trying to get at is is that the forestry the forestry is hard to understand the relationship than water because water is pretty cut and dry. If you don't have water, you're not going to do anything. Period. So that that you can see why it's right at the top of of the demand curve for financing, political, who you vote for, where you give your money, everything. There it is. And this, this is all predicated, this pressure is all predicated on what I feel is very bad decision-making in the relationship between the ecosystem and the economy. All right. Well, I know you had, uh, you had a fight with the Dos Rios Dam project. Dos Rios was the kingpin to the second stage of the California water plan. And the big problem, I remember, this was 1960, Dos Rios, and I'd gotten out of the Army. I had had this ranch. My dad left me. It was rather small, and I was buying some land and trying to get thing organized a little different than I was. I bought some land in Covalo and uh, was getting to move down there. And then in comes... State of California and said, "Well, the, this is the, this is the second stage of the California Water Plan," and they had a meeting down in the library, and they sent uh, an engineer over, and he explained to people. He said, "Well, you, you got to understand that uh, nobody wants. Lots of times, people don't want dams, and they're displaced." But you got to remember, it's the greatest good for the greatest number. And I went to this meeting, you know, and I, I, I mean, I'd heard about this, and I just sort of, my head was really a mess. What was the plan? The plan was to build the Dos Rios Dam, the largest dam bigger than Oroville and Shasta combined, with that canyon you drove up. That was it. That was the biggest dam, and that's what they were going to do. And flood Round Valley? Oh, yeah, 350 feet. We were under. In fact, if you look at the, the ridge line out of, out of Round Valley, there's some smaller. The water just about the top of those ridges. Wasn't it going to flood an Indian reservation? Oh, yeah, the, yeah but they were going to put the Indians up on top of a mountain and give them a, a, a settlement. They were going to build them a housing development. That's right. Oh, yeah, they were gone. That was a big part of it. You see, that was part of the problem. 
among other things. Uh, you know, because, you know, one of the questions was, we have some of the biggest oak trees in Round Valley in the state. And I asked the guy when he was giving the lecture in Covalo, I said, well, what are you going to do with all these oak trees? He said, well, that's easy. We'll just dig them up, and then we'll we'll break them down and cut them up, and they'll get some wood out of them, and we'll just digest it as part of the soil. You know, I, 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 this is what was really got me wired. And I said, okay. So that, that way, I mean, this was a totally machine-driven, money, technology, the whole game. So anyway, they couldn't justify the cost of the project because of the economics they had used of lying on the costs and overstating the benefits. That's the heart of the matter. And if they couldn't do that, they couldn't build the project. It just hung on the benefit-cost ratio. So we had to get that out. In order to do that, we didn't have television quite that good yet was coming, but we had newspapers. So I had to hit the road and, and start talking to everybody or chambers of commerce. In fact, I remember I was down at the Los Angeles because they were right in the middle of it because Los Angeles and Sonoma County Agency were in bed together they wanted the dam, and their people were all part of it, of course. And Joe Jensen, who was Mr. Water in Southern California, he was he was there, and I was down there at the at the at the Los Angeles Chamber of Commerce. I had to give this talk, right? Well, talk about what I would call an unfriendly group sitting there, and I'm up there preaching to these guys, and I'm sure the feeling was mutual. But with the thing that I had to almost laugh is I was going through the benefit-cost ratio and telling them, there's no way. This thing is deader than a flounder, and if it comes out, you guys are... Judge Jensen went to sleep right under the podium where I was and snored. <laughs> and I always thought, well, <laughs> you got your point across. I get it. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, thank you very much. You know, I got out of there. That was that. But <laughs> they, they didn't want to hear this crap. So anyway, that's what I did. San, San Francisco Chronicle, all the newspapers were pretty good. They were picking it up. But, as you know, Reagan came along. And Reagan had a friend named Norman Livermore, who was the Secretary of Resources. And Norman Livermore was a name from Marin County in San Francisco. The Livermores are big conservation people. And he he was big in the Sierra. He was big in all kinds of... And he was made the, the secretary of... the In other words, for California, Reagan appointed him. And the water guys didn't like that. It didn't seem like Reagan was much of a conservationist. I think having, I, I knew Reagan came here and visited me. Uh, I had seen him in Sacramento a number of times. I, he certainly, I can't say he was a personal friend, but I was on a pretty darn good talk with him in his office and with Liverpool. Friendly, you know, we, we communicated 
or if I wrote him or, you know, he would answer. And <clears throat> I would say, yes, he, no, he, he wasn't a conservationist, but he had this little ranch out of Santa Barbara that he loved. And he had a sensitive part of him that, that he could relate to people that had land, and, and there, was a, there was a piece of him that got it. And he came, he flew in, and before he left the governorship, he flew to Cobolo, and my wife and I had him to our house in Cobolo, and, and he had lunch with us, and, you know, we talked all about it. And uh, I think he, 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 after he finally saw, it was a boondoggle. And, and what he did is when he turned it down, he didn't quite kill it dead. He, he, he kind of put it on the shelf and, and said, well, this thing doesn't make any economic sense. And for like 10 years, this thing's going to have to go over here and wait. That didn't kill it. So the other side, you know, they were still alive. And that's when... I went to work on Wild Rivers, and I started the Wild Rivers program. That was you too, huh? That was me too. And then, but that was the answer, is to get these rivers up here in the wild and scenic. That was the thing to do, and that was another strong, slow idea. And boy, they fought. They, you know, the fact of losing these rivers to that. But the point was, times were changing. You know, it just. The easy money and all the easy talk and everything were starting to shift. Reagan had shifted, and they're they're you know they just couldn't hold the ground, and times were moving, and so it was finally that he did sign the Wild and Phoenix River Bill. Reagan did it with 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 Livermore right at his. He's over there in a picture in my living room. And uh, that that pretty well got this whole idea of that water plan. It was definitely off on another track. When you came into the Dos Rios project and that whole yeah. fight, you already were pretty darn well connected. I mean, you yeah. knew Ronald Reagan. So I wonder if you could just speak a little bit to what you did before and how that kind of positioned you. Well, I, I, to the extent that I... Uh, I was always issue issue oriented uh, on on forests and wilderness and the ranch and the land and the, all these things have always been a big part of my life and, and part of my education <clears throat> and thinking. So I, I gravitated to those areas of interest and in people that I knew and kept in contact with, and uh, that was true uh, in Sacramento. We had some members of the assembly in the Senate, people that were stood out over and above others, and I certainly made myself known and to them. And we, you know, we had a line of communication in the state government, and I think that's all part of it. Is just building a a level of trust and communication with people that you've learned over time. And, and can talk to as these issues come up. And this is precisely what this whole thing required, is this contact and network. Mm -hmm. 
that was built <coughs> that that helped me a lot. Unfortunately, uh, currently, I'm disappointed in the governor. I don't think he's a bad man, but I think he wants to be higher than he is politically. So I think he just lays back to wherever the money comes in and is willing to go there and isn't paying attention to these issues. And is by pushing them aside and, and trying to deal with issues that are not as critical, we're suffering from, in the, we're not getting the attention mm -hmm. in California and with the legislature either. Mm -hmm. They're not focused on this thing. And again, it's the economy is out of control when it doesn't recognize ecological break. <laughs> and it is, it's a break. This is Alicia Bales in conversation with Covalo Rancher and former CDF director Richard Wilson. Richard made his living for many years as a rancher, at times running as many as a thousand cattle on his own ranch and ranch land that he leased from others. He hired a crew of skilled ranch hands and persevered through the ups and downs of ranching economics. Eventually, he watched the higher elevation rangeland grow thick with brush and coarse vegetation unsuitable for grazing, as the lower range became impacted with invasive weeds, concentrated livestock, and now a devastating drought. While he still maintains some cattle today, he doesn't think ranching is a viable livelihood anymore, given the state of the natural environment. In the early 1990s, he decided to see if he could get a job in government to supplement his ranching income. So, okay, so you were a water activist, an anti-dam activist, yeah. and then um, passed the Wild and Scenic Rivers Act, yep. and then you were a rancher, yep. and then you became the head of CDF. Yep. Well, that, you know, that... Was that, that a straight line from ranching to... Well, I, I... Pete Wilson, I'd known for a long time, and... And uh, the ranching business was getting really tough. And I thought for a while, maybe I might go back over to government for a little while and work a few years to try to figure out what I was going to do. And I thought with the director of forestry, there were things that I felt needed to be done. And that's when I talked to him about it if he'd consider me for an appointment. And that that was, it's important to note, <coughs> that was CDF. And that's a different, that was the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. Okay. During my tenure, which was the 90s, that's pretty much what it was. But, the budgets and the politics were getting further away from forestry and more and more into fire. And I think Pete Wilson was okay. I mean, he was, he was okay as a governor. I don't, he, I, I didn't think he ever was gonna be president. I mean, he, he was, he'd been a senator and I'd known him he did a pretty good job, and he did a reasonable job. And when he appointed me, I, he didn't like what I was doing on forestry because I was more interested in trying to get forestry 
and he was more interested in the politics of where the money was coming from, and that was the timber industry, and that was a problem. We were overcutting, and so, you know, there was a certain amount of tension there, but that was okay. I survived that. But when he went out of office and I left, the day after I left, they got rid of the old forestry uniforms and got blue uniforms, and they were a fire department, and they've been that ever since. And so the forestry is gone. They don't have much expertise left. And without it, we're burning everything. You know what's happening. We're the state's on fire. And, they're, and they are a great fire department, and no way. They, they are terrific at that. But forestry is not, that's a different game. A forest is a balance of nature. It's big trees, old trees. It's a system. It's an ecological system. And you got to have people trained that understand, because you can run fire through a forest. It doesn't have to burn the whole forest up. If the whole forest isn't full with all this brush and understory and unkept for years, and you get wind and dryness, and it gets so hot at the bottom, it goes right up the big trees. You don't want to burn, takes them right out, burns them up. And that's what's happened. Do you think that CDF or the forestry side of Cal Fire has contributed to the fire, the dire fire situation that we're in? Well, but it's contributed because foresters are not able to do the job that they used to do with the rules we had. Yes, I mean, <clears throat> foresters don't have the politics or the money or the wherewithal to use their judgment in forests as to what should be done as opposed to the hump of the, the, the department now is full of airplanes and bulldozers and helicopters and firefighting equipment and more money and more people waiting for a fire to come to jump out and get on the fire instead of the foresters getting out ahead of it and getting people to start reducing the fuel so you don't, do you follow me? Oh yeah, I follow you for sure. That's the well. What do I? What do you do? Yeah, it's politics. I mean, it's just the name isn't there. That's right. They're Cal Fire as they should be. Uh huh. And they do. I. They terrific guy. I mean, they got some terrific people. But okay, so let's first. I want to ask you, um, what you were trying to do when you were at CDF? Because I think of it as CDF, too. I don't think of it as, well, as Cal Fire. I, I, I was trying... I was trying to get the governor to understand what sustainable forestry meant. And that meant not just clear-cutting. And the, the industry... Look, the timber industry... Is they're, they're in the business of liquidation. If you go over to the Sacramento where Red Emerson and where he's whacked down some of these forests and then planted them all back, and they grow them like corn. And when they come up about 10 or 20 years like that and they get a fire, in one year they are gone. There is no forest. That is not forestry. You can't do that. You can't just cut it all down, plant it, and have the trees all come up at the same age class and expect a fire not to come through there and destroy it. And they've already done that. And we've emulated uh, certain degrees of that in our forests. We've cut too much. 
we haven't opened it up. You can open a forest up of different age class trees and you can get a fire to run through the bottom of that thing. There's not so much fuel getting up into the canopy of those trees. And even though those trees are burned at the butts, they'll make it. You see, that's possible. That's forestry. You got to have somebody there that knows what they're looking at to be sure there's space and the right class and the logging. All of this takes skill, and we don't have it. We have all this firefighting equipment, but we don't have anybody ahead of the game. And the companies don't give a damn because all they we're look. It used to be on a truck right here. You could have six logs on a truck. Then it's 5,000 board feet scale, okay? You can get about 35 right now on the same truck. Why? You're down to six inches. You see, you're not in, in the lumber. You're not in forestry, right? You're just harvesting all the wood, and it's manufactured wood because a lot of that stuff, they chop it, glue it, and sell it down there, and then it burns up in a year or something. Well, I know you were part of the Forest Advisory Committee in Mendocino that was trying, that was doing research. We tried. Looking for special rules that would protect the, you know, stop the liquidation. We tried. Couldn't make it stick. Was, why not? Politics. There was just too much political money wanting to, to, to let that kind of infrastructure have authority to act. Mm -hmm. They weren't going to do it. They just—that's the story. Mm -hmm. It's just pure money. The super—I mean, the politics. That's the politics. The forest never had really the muscle it needed. You know, that's the problem. You mean it didn't have enough political will behind it? Money, uh -huh. political will backing, uh -huh. because the, because the smaller mills were all closing. And you were consolidating with Red Emerson on that side in the Sierra. But Red, Red owns everything in the Sierras north up to Washington. That's Sierra Pacific. And then we've got the Birch Brothers down here. That's uh, Meta, Red, Redwood Empire. Okay, and then we've got the little companies in HRC and MRC. Well, yeah, Mendocino Redwood and HR, Humboldt Redwood. I mean... There's not much difference, MRCs. I mean, they, they're big enough that they're pretty much the same mentality of cutting, overcutting. Mm -hmm. Boy, they wouldn't, they wouldn't represent themselves that way. No, of course not. <laughs> no, that, no, but they are. I mean, they're not. I, I could show you just uh, going out of here. If you go out on the right side, they had a Jerry Garvey ran the the birch thing, uh, and that, it does look pretty decent. They've logged it and then they're gone. And then they let him go, and over here on this side, <clears throat> if I was to take you up there and look at what they've done, you'd just say, oh my God. They're not, they're not coming back, they're through. They're just done. They're not, yeah, they're not, there's nothing sustainable. Mm -hmm. They're on their way out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, that's the view of these people, they're just, they're not in it to last because it's time and money and and they're not able to get where they want to be fast enough. 
You think the timber industry in California is coming to an end? Well, it's in deep trouble in terms of how it's going to use manufactured wood. If it's going to try to grow this stuff fast, 30-year turnarounds, and they don't burn down and all that, and they can and they can grow it like corn and cut it and chip it and glue it, I guess you can say they can go on. I mean, that's manufactured wood. Why not? So how were you... I realize there's the Board of Forestry and there's all the politics, and I'm really interested in it, too, because I was out there locking down to stuff, and we were fighting for headwaters, and we were fighting Louisiana Pacific and Mendocino County and sitting in trees and all of that, but how were you trying to change the paradigm? Well, you're trying to get the board. You see, it's all the politics. When I first joined it, Henry Vox was chairman. Yes, and he was top man, and he ran that department. And he understood all this stuff and the rules. They had foresters on the board, but they had a standing. And when he left, and the thing just become more political, it just got politicized to where the industry pretty well got the people they want and did pretty well what they want, regardless of the rules. Would you call it a captured agency? Well, I I think they're doing pretty much what they want by over... Look, <clears throat> it's not sustainable the way it's going. Mm-hmm. And whether it's captured or whether the mindset is that the next stage is manufactured wood and that's growth and the progress, if, if you think that, I think we're probably heading in the right direction. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like the water situation. Right? It's exactly like the water. That's why I started you on it. So it's that, that mindset that doesn't take into account the forest or the ecosystem, just money. Well, it's the future and the jobs and what the forest brings beside just a board. It brings the health. It brings the wildlife. It brings the soil stability. It brings the nutrient. I mean, it has. But these benefits, when you, when you compute benefit-cost ratios... They aren't the ones that get the heavy hit. They get that that one thing they want, mm-hmm. the board. The others are just put on for dressing. Just like we did this in water. We talked about it. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So the Forest Practice Act then um, seems like a pretty good goal, but you're saying it's just not enforced. Right. No, I don't. I, I don't think politically it's enforced, and there's no. And they know it. So why bother? Nobody's, no, nobody's going to challenge Red Emerson or the, the Birch Boys or whatever. The, the, when you saw, see all this stuff on a truck like this, that's not forestry. The, 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 the log deck, the, the, you know, the cradle of the, the bunks on the truck have about 30, 35 stems. They're stems. They're not logs of five, even up to 10, where you got 5,000 board feet where you get a nice, you get a real board? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. It's not what's going down the road. Is it because they've already cut everything that's merchantable? Yeah, they're down to, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what our problem is. <clears throat> you got to grow these things and have these age classes that allow them to mature. Look, it takes more time, mm-hmm. and it takes more people. 
and time and money they don't want to deal with right now. It's just that simple. As the head of CDF, Richard Wilson struggled from within the forestry department for sustained yield and a check on the liquidation logging of the timber industry, while environmentalists on the outside filed lawsuits, organized massive protests, and launched statewide ballot initiatives to stop the devastation. But Richard was impressed by CDF's efforts in Jackson State Demonstration Forest, which was managed, in his opinion, sustainably and stood as an example to the rest of the industry. Well, one of the things we've been talking about with the with the Casper 500 plan out in Jackson State is oh, that, well, the, yeah. they're taking they're taking big trees and they're saying, but you didn't want us to take the little trees, and now you don't want us to take the big well, trees. But they did. I think Jackson's been pretty well managed, and their sales before they get off the track over there. I supported Jackson, and I still do, but I've seen the politics creeping in where they wanted to take more trees. If you look at the revenues of Jackson and the amount of money they've kicked into the pool and the way they've harvested, they've got a great record of money and sustainable forestry. And if they start messing around with that, I I just, no. And I think they have been, I, I, I think that's kind of what they're thinking about. They're not cutting enough. They're getting good financial return, the way that forest has been run. But they don't want to use that as the model. That, that, they disregard that over there now at CDF, which was CDF. Well, my question is about that. First of all, there's two things. One is that it's redwoods, right, which we have so few left. But That's the other right. is that it's um, Mendocino County was so badly overlogged for the 90s, you know, or probably earlier than that as well, too, but with the Georgia Pacific and the Louisiana Pacific and the companies before. So how do we even know that in Redwoods that sustainable logging is possible when the land was mined so heavily? Well, you you know, if you look at Jackson, that you can do that because it has been done historically. The record proves it. But if you go to the other lands, that are getting heavily logged? No, they're not. They're getting liquid. They're they're cutting. It, it's like everything else. The redwoods grow fast, so therefore you get you get a younger tree. They're going to cut it younger, and it's not going to have the value or the composition of wood in it that an older tree. And that's what you're going to see down the road. They're going to sell it to you. But what about a 3,000-year-old redwood? Like, how do you do a sustainable rotation on something like, if we want to bring back some old growth? Bring those back. I think you're looking at... Uh, see, Jackson... <laughs> Jackson answers your question. Can you grow trees on on a site like Jackson to make money and keep growing trees like you've done in the past to sustain that kind of growth, yes, they're there. Mm-hmm. They're they're coming along. It's time, but you got to have people trained to know what they're doing. They've got to do it right. You don't make it. It isn't go whack it all down and then plant it all back and have it all even age. No. And Jackson is a reminder of something that did it. It it has proven itself. That's the whole point. And now I see the press and I, I, 
I'm worried that uh, they're trying to up the cut. Mm -hmm. They need more money. What I saw out there was that the big trees have a lot of blue marks and the ones that aren't blue marked are in their road cut area. And it, it just seemed like, wow, this is a beautiful forest and you're going to build roads all through here. This is a... Well, that's part of the problem. Why do you have to build more roads? In a forest that has done as much as it's already done under the existing floor plan. <clears throat> they can't answer these. I don't think they can answer these questions. The record is there. And if they can't, if they don't want to defend it, you see, that's kind of where we are. Well, and also the question that I asked almost every single one of them is about the big trees being more fire resistant and if yeah. we're concerned, and also about climate. But they, they won't acknowledge that big trees are more fire resistant. Well, but if you go out and look at a forest that has survived over the years fire, they are resistant. But the understory hasn't grown up with all this problem creating all the fuel to create the heat to go up there and kill it. Do you, see, do you understand what I'm trying to say? By doing the big, to get the big trees, you have room. You have some younger trees and you have some in the older trees. So obviously to have that forest, it's going to cost you more to go in there with a faller. He's going to have to be a little more careful. He's going to have to, equipment-wise, all of it, you, you just can't go slam, bang, just wham, just knock everything down. To get the result, it's going to cost more money. They don't want to do that. The shortcut is what you're talking about. The fact is that Jackson, they have gotten the money from the intermix of big and 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 intermediate trees as they've grown them, and they have a record to show it. But nobody seems to want to talk about that from what I can see, or I don't think so. I don't know, do you, I mean, how it's going. Well, um, I don't know about the history of the logging and how it changes now. All I know is that it's a really controversial series of plans that people are concerned they're taking out the biggest trees. Jackson, over years, has demonstrated you can surely a redwood, now you pointed out, is redwood, so it is good growing. And it's a great site. And it's much easier to work on that site than other sites, so let's not, not neglect that. But, gosh, I, I just see this need to constantly get more out of it to perpetuate the position you want in your office or your job or whatever to make a better showing and and if it means just cutting more trees then you can't sustain Jackson on the past record. I don't think so. This is Alicia Bales in conversation with former CDF director Richard Wilson. Richard also happens to be an outspoken environmentalist who's been at the forefront of conservation efforts in Mendocino County for 60 years. Now in his 80s, Richard's latest project is called Why Forests Matter, a group he co-founded that advocates for a divorce between the fire and forestry branches of CAL FIRE. It's a fascinating proposal that seems like a practical solution to address some of the catastrophic problems facing our forests. But so far it hasn't received any attention at all from Sacramento. You have a proposal 
to and as the ex-head of CDF that this is really a lot coming from you that that Cal Fire needs to break up and have a divorce. Can you talk about what that means? The foresters because of the budget and the politics of that department are under the hammer of a fire department. And with me I was a friend of the forest so it was a little tenuous but still the foresters had somebody that you know, I, I backed them, and they, I tried to back them so they were be, be more attuned in doing what they're supposed to do as foresters. That's not true today. They're a fire department. They're run by a fire department. They're run by a governor. All the money's in fire. Foresters, you need a microscope. Get them and follow and see if they're around on the floor, what they're doing with themselves. You see, that's the problem. You, you can't, that's why I say a divorce. They ought to be a forester. Well, first of all, if we could train them anymore in the university, and I'm not sure that the university of the Vox era is still around, but assuming, unless you get them out of the fire department and put them in the Department of Conservation or someplace, that they're recognized along the conversation we've just had of why forests matter. That's all of it. They've got to be part of that, and they got to be backed up. And then when they're put on the ground, then what they say has a lot to say about how it's going to be harvested, when and how. And the fire department is privy in there and everything, but their role is to put out the fire. They're not there to put the plan on the ground and to get it off in a, in a workable economic way with ecological care so the balance is there so they can continue and, and grow. I mean, perpetuate the forest. That, that's the idea. The forest, it has to have its elders. It has to sort of have somebody for it. But when, you, when nobody's for it and everybody's looking at Disney and on TV and it looks great, and it's not. It's not great. It's burning down. My God, we're burning down as we sit here. Up in Oregon, it's awful. <clears throat> it's awful. Cal Fire just came under some scrutiny because there was some misrepresentation of how much uh, fire suppression or fire wildfire work had been done out there. And it seemed like Cal Fire went from being firefighters and also the forestry side of approving and, and um, you know doing administering timber harvest plants. But now they're supposed to also do the wildfire clearing and prescribed burning and all that? I know. I've heard that. But then that, well, it's, it's good you brought that up because in a way that contradicts what I've said to you about getting them out, the foresters out. And that's right. But I don't think... What you just told me in words can make a fire department do what you just said. Right. Now, does that help you when I yeah. clarify the point? Yeah, well, it just seems like it's a whole new job. It's not about making money or getting no, no. board feet out of there. It's not about fighting fires. It's something totally different. But they're not. That's Their job is to fight fires. I'm saying the foresters are, if they're up there in the atmosphere, you can't see them right now. They're around. <laughs> By name, they're beasts. There's foresters. But the foresters are so in tow and under the under the auspices and the political persuasion of the fire department, they're not going to change that much. They're not. What I'm trying to say is, 
the forester mission is not the same as a fire department mm-hmm. and, a, and, and, a, and, a, and a suppression. How has Sacramento responded to this idea? Nothing. Nothing? No. No, I'd say no. I, I, I just think, um, I don't think the governor's remotely interested. There are not enough people to make him take notice. He's, you know, he's thinking about his political career and God knows what as a, as a politician. And, and I don't, I don't think the foresters have many friends or organization at the moment to try to stand up and talk about the forest. And people ought to be concerned about all these fires. They're so dry and the wind and and people say, oh, oh my God, what do you can do? What can you do? Well, it's not what you can do right now. It's what should have been done to not be in this precarious position with under un, unmanaged forests where the fuels have grown up and they haven't been really looked at in a holistic way to really understand them. And the fire comes under these conditions and it's a blowtorch. It's a done deal. It seemed like in the, in the beginning of your conservation career, though, you could just call up people that you knew in the legislature and, you know, have a, have a huge impact or you could strategize or whatever. But it, but it just feels like times have really changed. They have changed. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know that I can explain it. From the people like my friends, the ones that are, some of them aren't alive now, that have done this, the Livermores, he would, the few people I, I can think of, you know, that would understand our conversation and, and see what, what we're talking about, it's not there. And I don't know what you do about, we're burning millions of acres of forests. And who's gonna, who's gonna try to follow that up? What are we gonna do? It, I, 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 that sounds kind of draconian. I don't mean to just, just be just saying these things, not to give people the idea that they should fight on and for better times and better things, but we're drying up or we're burning it down. <laughs> do you see any reason for hope that we can change the trajectory that we're on? <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't quite know politically the system where the, the kind of people that have to stand up and start saying to people, look, we, <clears throat> we're kind of digging ourselves into a hole that doesn't seem to be showing much daylight for us at the rate we're going. And mm-hmm. how do we do it for our kids? And, and what, what, what's next? I mean, those are conversations that are, I think, necessary today at a broad scale. And, and, and I do, I think there is part of this out in, the, I, I see parts of that in the media, kind of trying to get around to this kind of thing of, of scarcity and... and uh, climate change. Clim- well, sure, absolutely, as to what is climate change and what it means. I mean, that's... Uh, not just to talk about it, but what it really means. 
Do you, you think you've seen climate change in your lifetime? Well, yeah, yeah, but not to the degree we're right now. But I think uh, I've seen some changes in the weather that in sections where we've had droughts and we've had floods. Yeah, I mean, I've seen both floods and droughts right here. And we've gotten through them, you know. They've been very, we've lost bridges and we've lost uh, lands and yeah, damages and fires and trees, but not to the degree that we're in today. Mm -hmm. This one, this one's a, another picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm shocked that you haven't gotten more response from the divorce idea. Well, but uh, yeah, because they don't. The, the divorce for forestry. That's what I say. People don't understand why forests are important. So if if they don't understand it, they they know they're gonna say, well, what do what do you what do you mean? What do you want to have a divorce for? You know, because because this is an intuitive understanding of people. If forests are something we're gifted to have and fortunate to have, well, then we ought to be thinking about. We want to have them. We want to keep them. We don't want to burn them all down. Up here north of me, up to the Mad River, it's awful. Mm. It just, it's just scorched earth. It's just burned everything, people's houses and everything. And that, you know, that I'm depressed by that because that you're digging out from the bottom, trying to. Trying to get back up on your feet. Mm -hmm. Recovery isn't <clears throat> possible. And and you just we we should be thinking about alleviating these kinds of damages if we can, which we can do, mm -hmm. and do it a little. We got to be a little easier, a little gentler touch, but we just got to be more careful. But when I look at the when I watch this performance at the state and federal level, and right here in the county, we're having a, we're running an initiative on cannabis. But it really comes down to: Are you going to go ahead, expanding the growth of cannabis that's out of control right now, here, or? Are you going to stop it where it is and find out? Because the tools of the Environmental Quality Act, that's what it's supposed to do, is to really look at what the costs and the troubles are and then go use that as your base, not to keep going. That's what this thing's about. Well, we'll see. It's coming up pretty soon, whether the gals, whether... Uh, Ellen, I've talked to her just the last day or two about this. And Marion Schell, she's wrote the book about it. Mm -hmm. I think they're right on because this others, these other op options in Mendocino County are a all expansion mm -hmm. of one form. Mm -hmm. So well, you think there uh, needs to be an environmental impact report? Oh, the, the CEQA. Mm -hmm. You've got to know. Look. <clears throat> These, the board is not even direct. 
Look at all the junk on the ground of people that have left, that left these black plastic spots. Dirt, filth, depleted, gone. They're all over this county. Who's going to pay for that? The board, they're not even talking about it. They said more. We ought to be doing more. Oh, come on. Do you think it's that same thing you're talking about with the ecology versus the economy? Yes, of course. It's exactly the problem. If, 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 the, if you seriously see this ecology as the way we have to figure it out and live with it, if you don't take it seriously and you just, their, their idea is that somehow more there's going to get them more money at the Board of Supervisors that it's going to somehow take care of itself. It's not taking care of itself. And there's no sign it's going to take care of itself. This is Alicia Bales with a special program today, a conversation with Covalo rancher and former CDF director Richard Wilson. We spoke at his home outside of Covalo on Saturday, July 17th, sitting in the shade of his porch while the alder trees in his yard rustled in the warm summer breeze. To read more about Richard's visionary work with Why Forests Matter, including a paper he co-wrote with environmental attorney Sharon Duggan called Why It Is Time for a Cal Fire Divorce, you can visit whyforestsmatter.org. My sincerest gratitude goes out to Richard Wilson and his family for welcoming me to their homestead and generously sharing stories of his 60 years fighting for the water and forests of Mendocino County. And thanks to you for listening. Uh, my name is uh, <coughs> Richard A. Wilson, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's about it. I better have the salad here. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.